Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 160 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast recorded Thursday, February 6, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday mornings at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by subscribing to feeds.PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. And I'm Elijah. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. What do we have this week, Elijah? Captains, over the last few weeks, our Star Trek Online Cup overfloweth with news about Season 8.5. This week, it's been a bit quiet as Cryptic gives players the chance to enjoy all the new content available to them. But we'll take this opportunity to review the content, including the latest featured episode, A Step Between Stars, as well as the other goodies available to players. Then we'll hear from the newly appointed community team leader, Brandon Branflakes Felcher, and the newly appointed Star Trek Online community manager, Trevor Captain Smirk McNesby. And of course, Captains, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. In case you missed it, Priority One has been busy over the last few weeks with several interviews with Cryptic developers, including a two-parter with lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera, and another with Star Trek Online's chief technical officer and returning executive producer Stephen D'Angelo. Check those out today only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We've got some new equipment that we'd like to buy, and we've got the usual running costs, of course. And as you know, Captains, we are volunteers. Your ongoing support is what keeps us going. So if you'd like to learn more, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com. A very special thanks to everyone who has already contributed and continues to do so on a recurring basis. Without your ongoing support, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to love, enjoy, and count on. Captains, don't forget that Priority One Podcast offers more than just podcasts. In her recent Observer's Log, Candice Zenzinger preps us for all the conventions everyone is gearing up for this year. Check it out and more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. And we're going to give Trek It Out another miss this week. But tune in next week, folks, because we're bringing it back in a big way. Let's jump right into some Stow news. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. In Season 8, Dev Blog number 47, lead content designer Charles Gray invites people to participate in the 7th Spire feature project titled Seat of Command. Completing this project will grant access to the Spire Command Room, 
which is um, it's a room, and inside it there is a table with <laughs> I believe it's called a ch- a chair a chair a chaise. Yeah. Is it a chaise? It's it's a it's an alien form of technology in which you place your buttocks on a platform and rest at the table. So it's it's fascinating stuff. Um, you can sit in the chairs, so we have indeed functionality. Um, at the table. So uh, just just to keep you all informed, uh, your dilithium projects are now functional, uh, thanks to the um, consistent encouragement from this show. Uh, This room can be accessed by opening the northeastern door in the Spire interior. This special project is available now until around when server maintenance starts on February 20th, 2014, uh, about 7 a.m. Pacific Standard. It's 200,000 dilithium starting. And if you have all your bonuses from dilithium, and maybe about 170,000 dilithium. It's a, have at it, captains. It's a table. It's a nice chair. It's a table. It's, I, I believe it smells of rich leather and mahogany. Do I have to build it myself? Is this like from Ikea? No, 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 no. no. Galactic it's pre-assembled. Ikea? Pre-assembled. It's the 25th century, man. The, the, the assembly crew comes with it. Okay. All right, captains. Our next little piece of stone news actually comes to us from Elflin, who reached out to us with a serious concern that he's had, where he feels that there has been a gross oversight by the Star Trek Online community. Specifically, he's concerned for the fleet advancement now that the hourly events have been removed. What does it mean for smaller fleets when they can't get in hourly on a daily basis to earn bonus fleet marks? He argues captains may have to wait weeks before they have the opportunity to take advantage of a bonus fleet mark event. So, Tony, what, what do you think of this, right? Because there was... I wouldn't say it was misdirection. I wouldn't say that uh, people ignored it uh, because there was a lot to consume with season 8.5. A lot of new features, a lot of, yeah, a lot of changes that came with season 8.5, including of course the, the the hourly events. People were mostly concerned with losing the mirror event for people who were grinding up new characters. But the, the fact that you lost the bonus fleet mark, that kind of that did go a little bit under the radar. It didn't really hit the forefront. People were concerned about, oh my gosh, I have to earn a thousand of these cumendations for a ship that was normally free. Well, I think part of part of what we is we need to do a little more waiting and seeing. Um, I got <clears throat> I got busted a little bit, and we'll cover that later in the show for maybe overreacting a little ahead of time uh, before all the data was in. Um, and on this on the on the uh, loss of the hourly events, it's kind of hard to say what on balance is, is a damaging thing or, or a benefit until we see what they replace it with. Um, by the time this episode airs, we will have gone through the Dilithium bonus weekend and some of the content um, that you do for Dilithium, the more Dilithium mining resource extraction things are going to get 100% bonuses to your Dilithium and some of them are, are going to get 50%. I mean, everything else that earns Dilithium is going to get 50% um, bonuses on top of what you would normally receive. And I, I mean... It, Time will tell, and the math on Cryptic's, uh, you know, query reports, it'll, it'll, it'll show what the earn rates are, and it'll, it'll be able to tell whether or not it's um, impacted the overall earning rate of the game on uh, those particular, you know, currencies. But I think small fleets are their own unique set of problems, and we covered it just a tiny bit with um, D'Angelo. The Tier 4 and Tier 5 star bases, especially, especially for small fleets, are not very well milestoned. 
it takes a long time to feel any sense of accomplishment if you've got 10 people or, or five people or in a fleet and you're trying to get to those higher things. That needs to be done better. Uh, whether or not they're going to go in and retrofit the Starbase, I really doubt. I really don't think they will. Um, it's kind of a done deal. Um, there's not a lot of, I guess, return on investment for going in and breaking down the Tier 4 and Tier 5 projects, but I imagine the lessons that they learn will be impounded into future fleet holdings, and I think that that's something that um, that we'll see in the future when they drop these types of uh, mechanics on us, is that they'll be much better milestoned so that um, fleets of all sizes, even the ones that are a little bit smaller than their 25-player average, hopefully we'll be able to make progress and, and more importantly see progress uh, for the time that they put it uh, put into it excuse me um, time versus pro uh, progress equation that needs to be consistent throughout the game and I think that also needs to be well represented in the um, rewards that the player gets I put a little time in I get a little something out I get a little time in I get a little something out uh, that doesn't happen in the upper tiers of the star base, and that's a problem. I it, it again, it didn't dawn on me until until Elfwin pointed it out to us that it is it's a, it's a bit of a a letdown that these dailies will will be missing out on. We'll be missing on this opportunity to earn the extra fleet marks, whether it's doing crystalline or whether it's uh, doing the fleet defense. Uh, you know, one concern that he pointed out specifically was in the forum posts and we'll, we'll have the links of course in the show notes was what if you know the fleet what if that's not a good weekend for the fleet you know what what's going to happen when a fleet can't get its team together to take advantage of these uh these weekend events well I, i'm a, I'll, I'll just point back to you know what i think was it was it, it might have been season seven you know that they, they tweaked the fleet mark rewards and stuff at the end of season seven and there was just a hullabaloo followed by some hijinks and some tomfoolery on the forums and they rolled the changes back. If it's bad, you know, if it really impacts people's starbase progress or if it really impacts their reputation progress and people start not logging in uh, to do those things, uh, the data will show that and they will reverse course. Um, but, you know, they're going to they're gonna want to see data. They're going to want to see um, hours played. They're going to want to see missions played. They're going to want to see average earn rates of the marks. And if that goes down significantly over the next 30 days you know over the next quarter then they'll fix it but you know this is where they look they they took a good hard look at stuff before they did this and they saw what people were doing with the system and thought you know what we're incentivizing the wrong thing we want to incentivize these weekend things that's what we want to do so the milestoning would be i reach a tier and i get the whole fleet gets a reward yeah, yeah. Or you know, and this, this is what I they need to just unbundle. I don't think it's no, a, no, no, yeah, no. but I don't think it's a problem with the milestoning though. I think it's a problem of getting to that point, right? I don't care so the rewards in and of itself having a a fleet shipyard or or access to awesome weapons or awesome consoles, that's incentive enough for me. The problem is not the incentive, I think. I think the problem is getting to that point, earning the amount Right, but the, here's the resources thing. it takes. Yeah, so you know, so there's those those projects and those three bands, right? The engineering and the tactical and the science and stuff. Yeah, that that you got to grind up those things to get to them. Why is it that you have to grind up all three of those things and then grind up the next one to the next level before you unlock a bunch of other stuff? 
Why do you why do you need to do that before you can unlock those the duty officer guy? Why do you have to do grind up all this stuff before you can unlock the bank? Why you got to grind up all this stuff before you can unlock more ferns? I don't know. You know why why don't you just have it so that when you hit the you know, when you're a third of the way or half of the way to the next um, installation, you unlock some feature of the starbase. So you have a thing. You can point to that and say, look, we, we just we just hit that. It's a smaller chunk of work. You can have the same numerics in there. You don't have to change the... I'm having a hard time understanding what the difference is. Well, the, the, uh, the difference is that, you know, when you when you rank up your starbase, right? So you hit, right. you hit the next tier and the tactical stuff and you unlock the shipyard, okay? And so with that comes right. all the ships. But... Then you have to unlock the science thing and get the stuff for that, and then the engineering thing and get stuff for that. Then you have to unlock one more level of tactical, and then you can rank up your starbase, right? Then when you rank up your starbase, you get like a whole slew of things all at once. Why not just break up those things? Why do you got? Why do you have to? Slew of things all at once. Yeah, you know. Then you can unlock okay. the bank access. Okay. You unlock the the, the tailor. Then you unlock the. You know, it all comes together. It all comes as a chunk. Now, when you upgraded your starbase, you've all of a sudden get these extra things. Is that why? Why do that? Why not just break that up? Why not add more things into the starbase so that there's ten mini gate, ten mini rewards, or you know, fifteen mini rewards as you rank up those into those uh, those uh, uh, career outposts right. you know the, right, the right, right, yeah. right. i mean do something so that the, the even the small fleets can say hey it's going to be a while before we get to the old tier five but in the meantime you know let's take this bonus at weekend. least we'll hit yeah. end of tier one and we'll get you know xyz yeah we'll, just... we'll you know we'll, we'll make it halfway through we'll make it halfway to tier two and at the halfway mark to tier two we get half of the stuff we would get from unlocking a tier two star base I gotta chime in and add one more thing. Uh, when you do get to, for instance, tier three, and you finally unlock tier three, and you've, you've spent all those marks to do so, you guys notice that there's also still upgrades you have to do to place thing to place those features there. Yeah, yeah, like you, like, yeah. you, you may get yeah. the mail automatically, but you don't get your contact for Bingo. your yes. ship starbase sele- or ship right. selection until you've run another project. I think those need to go away and just be part of. Yes, it. That, and th- and those would those are very good examples of things that they could just roll into the the sort of unlocks. Hell, even put those things, even impound some or all of those costs into the cost of raising your starbase up to the next tier. If you, if they just can't possibly, oh no, we couldn't possibly afford to live without the dilithium that that you get from that. Oh, we couldn't do it. Fine, roll that into the cost of the starbase so that it comes with as you are ranking up your starbase, so that it's a milestone you hit as the process continues. Smaller chunks, uh, more. I'm not. It's not instantaneous, but it's more timely rewards for the work you put into it. That's okay. uh, That would be my... They're not going to do it because there's just no return on investment for redoing But were I in charge, that's what I would do. Well, we want to thank Elfwin for reaching out to us and bringing it to our attention uh, so that we can have this type of discussion. Captains, we encourage you to do so uh, on a weekly basis. And so this is going to be our, our community question this week. Small fleets have always voiced their opinions on the difficulties they experience reaching and ranking through the tiers on their star base and their fleet projects and holdings. We've asked this question before, but now that we don't have the convenience of bonus fleet mark hourlies, how will you manage fleet advancement? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO160 or in the official forum post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. All right, well, a lot has been released with Season 8.5 hitting Holodeck early in the month of February. So, 
we haven't really had much of a chance to talk about all those things, right? We, we, we recap them. But have we had the chance to give our opinions about it? I mean, really, though? Like, to sit and talk about, like, the key things, no. the, the big ticket items of Season 8.5? I don't think we have. So why don't we start with A Step Between Stars, the latest featured episode that continues the Dyson Sphere story. Captains, spoiler alert. Tony, what was what were your impressions of the mission? Oh, I liked it. Like I said, I I, I give Cryptic, uh, especially with Kestrel and and Gecko at the helm, I give them a lot of room to run with, uh, you know, the the canon with the storyline stuff. I mean, I think, you know, with as much of a hash has been made of it with, you know, Nemesis and uh, the JJ Trek and stuff. I mean, they've 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 done remarkable work trying to, you know, keep the the prime universe timeline going as far as I'm concerned um, and so I think it, it, this is, makes a, a good logical Trek uh, evolution of the story and you know they're getting the actors that are available and willing to work with them and Tuvok was great I mean Russ's performance was as far as I'm concerned spot on there are only like a couple of times where I'm like he probably should be a little more excited about that about the right, right, walls right, right. collapsing no... or something like that but then I'm like yeah. no wait a minute He's a Vulcan. Well, the so problem, maybe he I don't think it's a problem of how so, he emoted it, but that yeah. that as an actor putting yourself in that position and screaming, "Oh God, the walls!" You know, like just you did it. We've got clips right, of you right. doing you that. You know, so you know that may be uh, slightly a bit of a directional thing. I, you know that because an actor really is as is as good as their director. Not to comment on any other direction from anybody in cryptic. No, I'm not. You know, I yeah, want to preface yeah. that. Uh, because everybody has been doing a fanta- fantastic job, so that's not a comment on on Kestrel or or our or anybody that's involved. Tim Russ was really good. It was very good. The end. Um, but yeah, I would love to. I would love to hear more of that uh, urgency when something big happens, right? That scream that will come, and you're not going to get that in a in a voiceover booth. But sometimes you can, right? If you step away from the microphone a little bit. But anyway, uh, that's just nitpicky stuff, right? Because when it when push comes to shove, it was Tuvok. You know, it, 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 I was listening he to was Tuvok, Tuvok again. He really was. I, I would love to hear a little more um, push on the actors when they get back on to, to f- if, if something is urgently happening, that we, we get that sense of urgency, that not that they're in a recording booth sitting in front of a microphone. Because that's sometimes, sometimes... What I feel, especially like you mentioned, when when the walls are collapsing, there's that you 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 know, okay, yeah, all right, he's in a booth, right? He's you don't get that sense of feeling. It's going to be a combination of sound editing. It's going to be a combination of the actor. Uh, it's it's a, it's a whole bunch of things. Um, but I would love to to hear the voice acting in Star Trek Online getting pushed a little bit outside of the the booth box. If I were if I were to paint a picture. Yeah, oh, yeah. Especially if you're going to put the characters in a stressful situation, it'd be it'd be nice to, to for, for them to stretch it a little bit. But you know, you've got one afternoon with Tim Russ, and that's all you got. You know, and you've got eighty lines of dialogue. Connor you know, was good. Three hundred lines of dialogue, whatever. It he is. annoyed what? me. Not Connor. Um, Cooper. 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 Cooper was good. He he oh, annoyed yeah. the shit out of me, which was good. Yeah, he was, which was good. Which was yeah, that was spot right. on. That's exactly what they were trying right. to get. <laughs> um, <laughs> was good. You didn't mind it when he turned into an undie. Like, yeah, I hated yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I chase him and, and shoot him? Can I can I run after him and shoot 100%. him? So. Uh, the only other thing that you know, in terms of the mission itself, um, it was it kept me going. You know, it was entertaining. I wouldn't say dialogue intensive in any way, shape, or form. But after the third or fourth run, it does. You, you just start effing everything, f keying everything. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah. And I, you know, in retrospect, upon playing it 
a ninth time. I think that first battle <laughs> before the sh actually ninth might not be it. Actually, it might be twelve because I'm running it on my um, uh, on my Romulan. You've lost count. I think that's right. the important I've lost point count. we need to take away from that. <laughs> Is that uh, I think I could I could do without the battle before you go through the gate, the ship battle. Yes, the twelfth time you played, right. sure. But the first time you played it, it was cool because that was the first time you were you using know, the You know, not even. Ship. Not even the first time. Not, not even. even. I not think even? I could have okay. done without right. that. For, I understand why they did it, right? So that players can have a moment to acclimate themselves to it. But how different is that from any of the other featured episodes where we've been thrown into a ship? You know, it's... You don't... I don't remember there being boss number one and then boss number you know last boss yeah you know what they could do is they could for, for those you know quote-unquote training purposes when you, you know, like you were saying acclimate yourself to your ship they could make those optional enemies you could you could you could have people uh, give people a path to sneak around them that would work you don't have to make you know make make those critter groups uh uh bypassable if you just you know take a, a wider arc around them or something like that, you could bypass the combat and just and still go through and progress the story. Oh, you you said something else that I, I do want to bring up too. Attack pattern Tuvok. Sixty lobby. Sixty lobby for that. One hundred twenty lobby. I bet you pay one hundred twenty lobby for that. I I would probably pay one hundred twenty lobby if, if I could get a box <laughs> out of the lobby store with some of these special buff powers. Uh, you know, one time use and you train your buff with them. That would I would pay a right. lot of yes. lobby for those. Yeah, a lot of people like a lot, attack pattern Tuvok, and and somebody I think was it Adjudicator Hawk. I think he was on the forums this week saying, yeah, don't look for that anytime soon. Yeah, we just do that. It's just sort of a fun thing, but there that is fun. Yeah, attack pattern Tuvok is fun. That is for sure. Uh, something we do want to cover very quickly is captains. There are ten accolades available to be earned during a step between stars. Okay, there are a lot of them. We'll have a link to a forum thread on the uh, Accolade Hunter forum thread that uh, gives a, a nice list of everything that uh, that can be attainable. For instance, there's the Beam Dodger, which if you avoid being hit by the defensive beams in A Step Between Stars, or, or Dyson Sphere Puzzle Solver, if you complete the uh, activation puzzle, right, where it was the Simon Says puzzle again. Icarus 2.0, if you avoid having your ship damaged by the sun, when you are at reactivating the uh, sun flare, the solar flare inhibitors. Uh, so, of course, again, we'll have the, the link in the show notes, but uh, if you're an accolade hunter and you want to earn all 10 during the mission run, we uh, be sure to visit priority1podcast.com forward slash PO160 for a link to the forum post with the list of the accolades. Now, Tony, you... Um, you started up some mean discussion no. last week when well, we were talking about yeah. the Herogen lockbox and the available weapons. People made fun People of you. People made fun of you. That's right. That's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll own it. So we were talking about the long-range destabilized Tetrion heavy cannon available through the Lobby store and part of a three-piece set. So you said that this was a travesty to the fundamentals of the game. In the beginning, in the beginning, there were ten meters of I kilometers. Or travesty, but I did. Now I did. this completely uh, breaks the game mechanics. There were ten kilometers. Bra, yes. bra, bra. <laughs> I sense. I bit. sense you're enjoying this a little, a little bit. Are a you little, enjoying this a little bit? A little. I sense that. I'm getting that vibe. <laughs> yes, I. I I, I believe I may have overreacted a little bit. We, uh, yes, uh, me and, uh, and uh, Skiffy and I, we went in, we went in head-to-head. -head. Uh, my, my good old trusty Odyssey 
and you had the heavy escort. Is that right, Skiff? I had the the new Herogen heavy escort. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what it's called, heavy escort. Yeah, you had it all. You had it all tricked out with all the the latest and greatest bells and whistles. And, and I do believe I kicked your Zahoot. No, I, it, which, no, you, as we discussed yeah. earlier, is Klingon for buttocks. But let's let's we're gonna credit Skiffy with half of a kill. After how long? How long did it take you to get that? Oh, I didn't even keep track. It, it was, was an like, hour. It least. was like an hour. It was an hour. We went around and around, and neither one of us could kill the other one. So, uh, you know, balance, okay, fine. The The long-range gun does not affect balance. You had all the other stuff on it, too, the the crazy mines and the uh, flippy console. Pretty, pretty much all the new gear, yeah. All the new. Yeah, you had all the you had all this stuff. And so it, uh, me and my, my trusty old Odyssey um, uh, went went 12 rounds, and... Um, we're going we're gonna to credit Skiffy with half a kill, because he did blow me up eventually. But the other half of the kill belongs to the sector wall in the PvP map, which I <laughs> clumsily ran into uh, when he when he uh, had he had to be like tractor beamed and other stuff, and I was going to hit uh, evasive maneuvers pointed the wrong way, ran smack into I, the wall. I believe you're mistaking clumsy for tactics, oh, which right, I right, used, right, sir. Right, because in space, of course, you're always looking for the great, big, gigantic, invisible wall which says, no, you can't go any farther than that. Sorry. Space uh, ends There were several here, Q right, episodes right no, where right. that happened. I, so I, 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 I was defeated. Okay. I, I, I got blowed up. <laughs> hey, but there was always the little the, the licorice bits. There was always little bits of licorice in a square pattern floating in space to let you know there was a wall there. Not so <laughs> Not so in Star Trek Online. So I want, yeah, t- 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 Mr. D'Angelo, your notebook again. I want square licorice bits plastered all over the sides of the sector space wall. So when Skiffy rams me into it, I know that I'm there. Uh, so, yeah. But, no, but the, 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 it did not overbalance anything. I had the same sort of hour-long knife fight with Elliot uh, when he was testing out his new Vesta and everybody was on the forums talking about how it was over, overpowered. Um you know, I did, it, if 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 I can stay alive in my Odyssey for an hour against the new ship, it's probably balanced just fine. Sorry, everyone. You did state that it was really annoying that I oh, could shoot annoying. a little bit further than you. It was but very I, I have annoying. to say, yeah, I have to say, using it, I mean, it's really tough. I mean, there's only a two kilometer difference. If you're outside of twelve kilometers, I can't hit anything. So. It's only from 12 to 10 that you really get that bonus, and it's really hard to stay exactly 11 kilometers away from Well, but not, not the console. I mean, you're just talking the regular cannon, just the, the cycling cannon power. And the other thing about it was you can only put one on your ship. That's the other thing, too, is that, you know, if you had a whole, if you had a whole five, an escort with five forward weapons and you had five of these things, you know, firing all the time, that would be a problem, but it's a unique weapon. You can only have the one. So it's one cannon shooting from 12 kilometers out, and every three minutes, if you have the bonus, three-piece set bonus, you can shoot the big, the big thing. And that, that kind of hurts. I mean, it took my shields down 40 50% uh, in one hit. Um, but, I mean, it's still, it's still it's enough to, to shake off if you're in a respectable cruiser. So <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I'll take my medicine. I'm looking at you. Don't drunk I'm shoot. So. And I'm sorry for defeating you. No, but don't I'll be do sorry. It again in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. No, you and the wall team make an effective team. Skiffy and the wall versus Tony. That's a, that's a you know that's a good that's a good fight. I don't know. All I'm thinking is all in all, you're just another brick in the wall, sir. <laughs> I, well, yeah, you, you you smashed me right into it so, and, and put me in my place. So well well played, sir. Well, another big ticket item. Uh, that came with season 8.5 was the release of the new free. Dyson Science Destroyer. Now, in order to earn the new Dyson Science Destroyer for 
any of the factions, you need to run, I'm sorry, you need to earn 1,000 cumendations. Now, you earn 400 of them the first time you run A Step Between Stars. And then the rest you have to earn by doing the uh, anniversary mission uh, that you get from Q, who's at uh, Earthspace.Konos uh, or Romulan Command. And you do the mission, and then you have to uh, go chase little Q or or pick him out in the box and figure out what it is. And uh, You earn 40 cumendations every time you do that mission in a 20-hour cooldown. And this was something that was not very well received by the Star Trek uh, online community. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, everybody just has accepted it. Uh, there are some pretty interesting items that are available uh, from this ship, including the three-piece set bonus that you get from the shield, the deflector, and the engine. Later on, when you earn the ship and you get the secondary deflector, that'll combine with a uh, console set bonus that will be uh, available to captains when the ship is available on the sea store. You know, honestly it, it, it doesn't bother me. Um, I think what bothered me more was having, if I because I want, I like the suit right, the suit that you earn in uh, A Step Between Stars which we spoke about last week and how to earn the lobby version of the suit. I like the suit so what bothered me more was having to play A Step Between Stars um, more than once or twice. It was that encounter before the right, game. Right, it was really the gotcha. encounter before the game that got yeah. me. Um, but the you know the Q the cumendations earning uh, it doesn't it doesn't wound me terribly. Uh, I'm doing it on my Romulan because the Federation Dyson destroyer is it's unfortunate. It's, yeah, it's not it's um it's not it's not up there. So I'm doing it on my Romulan and um, Romulan's yeah, pretty. The Romulan's pretty. It's a pretty ship. It's got more bells and whistles, and uh, I enjoy it. I thoroughly enjoy it. I, I, in an unofficial poll in our uh, TeamSpeak server the other night, uh, I think I, I, Cryptic will be taking a close look at exactly how this all shakes out because I think that a lot of uh, people's usual anniversary slash giveaway behaviors are going to be a lot different this time, and I'm interested to see what the next giveaway looks like based on the data they get from this one. A lot of people who are collectors... Um, have decided that they don't need to collect this one uh, quite as much, or really at all, for some of their characters. Um, you know, some people who have 30 tunes and like to get the the free thing on on all of them have decided. You know what? I really only need 10 of those. You know, actually, no, not 10. Like, five. no, not five. Not five, really. More like three. Well, really, only one. And I might do it on two more, but if I don't get it, I don't care. So all of a sudden, a, a customer that would be excited to get the ship 30 times on 30 different characters on their account is now only going to do it once, and probably they're going to, like, raid their lobby stash to get that one, and then they'll do the grind maybe a few times on a couple other characters, but they're not going to care if they don't get it. That's a huge change, and that may be quite a bit of hours in seats lost. And so I'll be really interested to see if this mechanic sticks around for the next one. So, uh, quick equip, right? So that was the last, one of the last hot ticket items that came with uh, Season 8.5. We were looking forward to the ability to save loadouts, but sadly we did not get those because of the bugs. But the bugs are in the power tray, so dear God, please don't let that into the wild. Yeah. So I was still a little bit confused because... The night that 
season 8.5 went live, we, we got online and we were like, oh, let's do like a PvP shuttle mission. Let's do that shuttle mission. So I started to play with a quick equip thing. The gear that I wanted was on my primary ship. So it was grayed out. Right? Some of the equipment that I wanted was grayed out. And it stayed grayed out because it was on my primary. But when does it automatically switch for the captain? Now, Tony, you were adamantly saying that there was a bug and it needed to be it was addressed in the mm -hmm. patch notes. So so tell me about this bug, please. Well, the uh, if you look at the patch notes for uh, February 6th, the quick equip function was not functioning correctly in the uh, some of the social zones, Kronos, Deep Space Nine, Dyson Joint Command, Tarbase 39, you know, all the usual suspects. Items which were swapped out of a ship using quick equip will now reslot themselves once the player switches back to the ship they were swapped from and uh, resolved an issue where qu causing quick equip is not to, going to work with uh, bridge officers. So I, I think that they were having a problem because uh, remember how Al was talking on the interview how if you were in a zone that contained a bank, they were going to let you do more things um, and have access to more equipment than if you were in a zone that did not have a bank. Um, so I think that there's still, uh, the quick equip and the saved loadouts and the power tray are probably all really heavily intertwined and joined at the hip, and we're probably not gonna see the whole thing really functioning as intended until all those features are fully built in. So, I mean, if you, if, if you can get it equipped and get into an instance now, then great. You're, you're well within the design case for the feature, but I imagine there's still going to be some edge cases out there where people are trying to do something that the designers are like, oh, yeah, that's where the overlap is on, on uh, the loadout saving. So I, I think we're probably going to see just some more hiccups until they get all that feature, hopefully in next Thursday. That's, that was, uh, that's kind of the hope. Um, that we'll get it all put together next Thursday. Thursday the thirteenth. So, thirteenth. Thursday the 13th. That's the target. Yeah. You know, don't hold them to it. Obviously, it might be more bugs, but uh, that's that's the target. Well, captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news. Let's get to the highlight of this week's episode with an interview with Perfect World Entertainment's community team leader, Brandon Brandflakes Felcher, and the newly appointed Star Trek Online community manager, Trevor Captain Smirk McNesby. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Captains, today we're joined by Perfect World Entertainment's newly appointed community team leader, Brandon. Bran Flakes Felcher. And the newly appointed Star Trek Online community manager, Trevor, Captain Smirk McNesby. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having us. Brandon, before we get started, let's go ahead and start with you. In November 2011, you landed the job as community manager for Star Trek Online. Tell us about the two and a quarter years in the role. Looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently? And, and what are you most proud of? Wow. Well, first of all, it's crazy to think that two and a quarter years ago is when this all started and my dream came true. Man, it's been the most amazing two years of my life. I had so much fun doing what I'm doing and just being able to act in an official capacity was just an honor and a privilege. Um, I had so much fun and working each day wasn't really like work. It was like playing the game all day and doing fleet events, but really it was for the community. So that was really, really cool. I, I really loved everything we did. Uh, looking back, if I could have done anything differently, I would have loved to do more community events. You know, 
Um, there got to times where we'd get so busy with blogs that sometimes I'd have to do them every other week. I'd love to be able to do them every week, every day, even more interaction than I already did. But I accomplished a lot of the things, like I looked back on my um, notepad, actually I still have it on my phone, and I wrote this the day before I started as community manager on things that I wanted to do for the game um, that I remembered had been done at some point or new things I wanted to do. Um, and this hasn't been edited, Trevor's looking at it. It was last edited on November 29th, 2011, so one day after I started, two days before I even announced myself to the community. So uh, the things on this list were rotating sh front ship image. So remember the old site had the front ship image and it was that like Severus class that was there for like ever a year or something. Remember yeah, it, yeah, had, yeah, it yeah. had a giant ship, so mm -hmm. rotating it. And I was able to do that, so I was rotating it on Fridays. Video of me talking with players, I guess we kind of did that with on screen. Introducing new things, obviously we continue with dev blogs, Friday screenshot, monthly wallpaper, uh, daily Facebook and Twitter questions. I did those like a couple times a week. One on here says guide contest. I don't think we did any guide contests, but we did the guest blogs. So I guess that kind of works there. Uh, literary challenge, which was started up again, Foundry Spotlight was started up again, weekly in-game event. Uh, I have KDF-centric items on here, so we did things like Klingon Appreciation Week, or I did the Klingon events in-game, the Rampage. Esports, I didn't really get a chance to do that. That would be cool for Trevor to do, or sometime to do in the future. Sea Store Point Contest, I think we did that. This was a fun one, I put down a call-in number for dev updates with ads. I don't know what that's really about, but I think our podcasts kind of serve as, you know, the, all the dev updates and people listening to. Week in Review, well, that's not something I was able to get to, I guess, uh, where, I, where I'd post up a week review of everything that happened. I think there was just so much it was hard to do a week in review because we were putting out like two to three blogs a day sometimes. Community blogs we did, um, attend more events. So yeah, I, looking, I haven't looked at this list in a long time. So looking back on it, I think I've accomplished a lot. I would have loved to do everything on it. Okay, well, uh, good. So, so now what you can do is you can hand your uh, phone over to Trevor and he'll just take that <laughs> list with him and uh, he'll just knock out whatever's left, right? No. Yeah. Well, you see, here's what I'm doing. I'm writing some of those ideas down so that we can do them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called appropriating. Yes. <laughs> well, but what hey. am I most proud of? Um, I would say it'd have to be the community that was fostered in my time there. I think looking at our community, even on the forums, Facebook, Twitter, and you look at other gaming communities, I think we had one of the strongest communities out there. Most people wouldn't agree, but if you actually look at other forums, we had one of the most well-behaved communities. We had the most productive. We had the most podcasts. Well, we just, I think. We just have higher most... standards. We expect. <laughs> Maybe that too. But I'm most proud of the community. Um, I wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for them, and I'm proud of everything they accomplished. Well, Trevor, you joined the team back in October of 2013, and uh, your role back then was a web content creation. Uh, I, I now think that's code name for uh, community manager and training, but we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, and you helped Brandon out with STO a little bit. Uh, so how are you managing that transition from web to community, or is that already kind of a, a done deal? At this point, it's already kind of a done deal. We've basically been working on transitioning me into the position for a while. I still have a few responsibilities for another game that I've been working on, as well as some of the content creation for STO until we get the transition completely 100% done. But from what I'm being told, I'm doing pretty well. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, you haven't been flamed yet, or have you? Uh, not flamed. Okay. I've gotten a lot of great response in the community, a lot of very warm welcomes, and a lot of people seem really excited, although they are also heartbroken at the same time. They think Brandon is completely 
just getting an escape pod and punching <laughs> himself out. Punch it. Uh, no, you know, the, the analogy I'm using, I'm Kess. I'm evolving and hopefully not coming back to destroy everything. So, Trevor, tell us about your Trek creds. Prove yourself to the community. Well, let's see. I've been a fan since uh, before I can remember. I grew up with TNG that was on when I was a preteen, I guess. And I've been watching all the series ever since then. I used to go to a bunch of conventions to look for all the different hero props that I wanted to get, all the action figures. I was a big action figure collector. I used to drive my parents crazy making them take me to Toys R Us to get all the variant action figures and the movie edition and all the play sets. Still got a lot of that stuff. My desk is covered in some of it. I have boxes of it at home. I have a bunch of Star Trek comics. I've drawn a lot of my own Star Trek comic book artwork. And I've been playing the game since beta. I've raised, God, I think I'm up to about... 24 or more characters that I've raised mm. in the game since launch. Just wanted to try all the different races, wanting to build different off groups and teams and try out different ships. So I've got a full couple of fleets, one KDF and one Fed fleet of my own to play with in game. <laughs> I've been playing for a while. And you know, I should have gotten a job here years ago because I, I bought the sea store, completely cleaned out, got everything, and then started working here and realized there's nothing left for me to ask. No them. more employee discounts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let me ask you this, actually. Let's take a step back and, and go a little farther about your, your work history. How did you get into game uh, development and in the game industry? I worked for a, a, another company a few years ago that we worked on a, a much different type of what was classified as a video game. We made 3D flight simulators for the Department of Defense, for the Navy, and for Boeing Air. So it was a giant 3D simulator that we built all the graphics for, and I oversaw a team that handled all the texture mapping. We made all the artwork using old satellite photos, and I basically spent so much time every day working in Photoshop that I used to have waking nightmares of the marching ant selections around everything I did. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> And that was a, a much more specialized version of video game production. But the best thing was is it still said video game production artist on my taxes. So all the consoles, all the games I could spend money on, including my, my initial Star Trek online package, I wrote off. You used the tax code to your advantage. Well done. Well played. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Don't come looking for me, IRS. <laughs> <laughs> That's defensible. I, I like that. It, I mean, you do those research. It landed you your next job, right? That, exactly. That, there you go. Why, on God's green earth, even knowing that we have a fairly well-behaved community, would you want to take Brandon's shoes on uh, in, in this vocal and, and passionate uh, sub-genre of science fiction? I guess I just really like to get involved with players and, uh, and there's a lot of the stuff that I've seen in the community forums before I even worked here that I used to not really find amusing so much as the subject matter, but just I really enjoyed how passionate all the players were about the game and, and about getting their opinions heard and giving their, their feedback and also trying to give pitches for ideas and making stories and that's why I love the Foundry so much when it came along because it gave a lot of the community the chance to make their own missions and to become really a part in another way of the Star Trek franchise than simply just playing the game. And Brandon's demystified and de-horrified a lot of the forums for me. It's not as frightening as people wanted me to believe when I first started. I don't think that it's it's anything in this community that can't be handled and can be taken care of. I think it's a, a great chance to work in the forums with everybody. And so far, everybody's been really positive about me going in there. And thank God everyone has a great sense of humor because I'm making jokes <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, and on the Foundry bit, I'll make this bet public or this offer. I told Brandon for every Foundry bug that gets squished between now and July, you know, I'll buy Brandon a drink at Vegas uh, or, <laughs> or for a dev of his choice. If you keep up the, you know, keep up the good work of collecting and, and pushing these Foundry 
any bug fixes, uh, you know, your boss is going to uh, be a really happy guy in Vegas. Yeah, I'm going to make sure to have my camera there with me. Yeah, okay, there you go. So, Brandon, what words of wisdom have you been able to impart on, on Trevor in, in this new endeavor? One of the things that that I was actually told from Sean Brody, the CM I took over for, who was my mentor, um, who was the manager of Star Trek Online, Stormshade. The internet is all about anonymity. You say things because you're, you're not face-to-face. You mix that in with the MMO, and you get a, a different type of person posting those things. You mix that in with Star Trek, and you get even more passionate people. So in the end, really, when you look at things, you look at the passion and what's being said because of uh, their devotion and their respect for not only the franchise, but for the game itself. So that's always to look and understand the basic underlying reason someone is asking for something or someone is upset with something. There's more emotional attachment to it than it just being a video game, especially since it's Star Trek. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice is just to remember that, that passion stems from love. And we do all love Star Trek. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. Yep. So tell us about the promotion. What will your day in the life look like now that you're responsible for the community management for all Perfect World Entertainment games? So my role as community team lead is to basically oversee all of our community managers and community management specialists. So those are our um, team members who are in the forums, on Facebook, Twitter, um, in game with players, posting all the news and blogs. So we have uh, many different games, as you can tell, in our suite of um, Uh, games that we publish here at Perfect World. So it's working with those community managers um, and helping them bring the game communities to the next level. So for instance, bringing a lot of the stuff that I've done for STO and seeing how we can transcribe it into other games. Also to work on new games that are coming out and build those communities from scratch with the community manager that's going to be working on them. My goal is to help grow the community managers and help them get into their aspirations, you know, uh, things that they want to do. I've been a manager in the past, just not in the video game environment, uh, but I've always been the type who looks at an individual and doesn't just keep them in their position because they do well, and that's the easiest for the company, but I want to help them reach their goals, just as I've reached mine. So grow the team member and get them to where they want to go and build communities, especially for our new games and our existing games. So my day, as you can imagine, based on that, there's there's more meetings than I was just for STO. Um, so going to, to various meetings and um, just being there to support the the community managers who are doing their, their work, um, coming up with best practices, helping them not increase their workflow, but change it so it's more efficient and to have fun. Uh, we have a really great team. Um, and even before I stepped into this role, we had a very great environment. Everyone does amazing work. I'm really privileged to have such an incredible team. Um, so I'm really looking forward to continuing that and strengthening it as well. So with all that new work you've got to do and all the meetings you have to go to, are you going to still make it to the on-screen recordings or is it, are you giving that off to Trevor there? As for on-screen, we uh, put that kind of on hold in a sense. I mean, Captain Kiki's still here. She says hello. She's awesome. But sh- we've been moving to live streams, which we can do more often, uh, which are easier to produce and don't take any video time away because each on-screen would basically be our video request for the month. I like to put in a video request each month for STO. And we can put that more focused on showing off the content or showing off cool new ships or things like that. Whereas the live stream has very little preparation time and post time. We can do it very often. Like we want to get to the point where we can do those live streams once a week. Right now we're doing it every other week and we'll continue with that until Trevor's fully transitioned 
and it's got to hang on everything and everything just flows perfectly. Um, and then we'll look at that. Um, but I still foresee myself video bombing him instead of photo bombing, you know, jumping on the stream. Um, I'll probably show up at community events, but I still play every night. <laughs> like uh, I'm working on, let's see, I finally got all my alts up to their tier five reps. Now I'm working on each one of them to get a new ground set. So I'm in there playing and having fun with my fleet that I'm in and just having a good time. But, you know, I jumped in the forums today even to chat with players. They were talking about ebos and how when you donate them, they get killed. And I said, who said they're getting killed? And I was just joking around about that and stuff. So I don't think you could ever keep me away from STO. Um, we're going to pull him back into live streams from time to time to make guest appearances. And I'm thinking maybe getting a cardboard cutout out of him. <laughs> nice. Yeah, put him right behind you. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, speaking, I have great sympathy for people who say that uh, post-production is difficult on, on videos, especially, you know, in, inside Star Trek Online. You know, demo record, you know, ain't, ain't what it used to be. So, uh, you know, maybe we get some of that foundry love that you put forward and, and put that on the demo record side, too. Ben, yeah, I heard your interview um, with D'Angelo this week, so I know that he kind of has that on his radar. So, like he mentioned, the video team uses demo record here as well. So yeah. it's an important tool to us. But yeah, the better the tool that gets, the more community videos you're going to see, the easier it'll be on you guys when you want to put out great content. So, hey, you know, just yeah, throw that I, out. I love that tool. I mean, other games have other similar tools, but I don't think anything rivals what we have there. So. It's great once you figure it out. Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, actually, you know what? That would be a perfect topic for a guest blog is demo record. We have this month's guest blog and next month's guest blog. But hey, Tony, if you're interested, we're looking for guest blogs for March. Well, I, I, I'm going to let Elijah take the next question. And that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll give you kind of the answer of what's going on. So, Trevor, we may be putting you on the spot here. But this is something that we've been asking our very own candidates looking to fill in Tony's shoes here on Priority One Podcast as he moves on to different things. What changes, if any, would you like to see during your time as community manager for Star Trek Online? Well, I'm definitely looking forward to doing more live streams myself and getting into to play some episodes to run through a few of the systems and do kind of a little tutorial run through to demystify some of the trees and powers and things here in the game that people might still have a few questions on. And then I would definitely like to continue doing media content for the game. I don't want to say exactly what I had in mind. Brent and I have talked about mm -hmm. a few different ways to use some of the content creation that I was already doing for the game in different and more creative ways to bring people into another layer of the game to kind of try to draw their interests in and more than just the normal standard stuff that we've been doing thus far. So we have a few ideas we've been kicking around. Mostly I just want to show a lot of the, the areas of the game that are a lot more customizable that you can use to really show off your, your captains and your alts and your bots. And I really love the alien gen creator. I love the, the tailor. I love really customizing all of my characters as much as I can and I want to bring that kind of sense of just having fun with making everything to do with your account yours and using images and graphics from that to really pique people's curiosity about just how much this game is is something that you don't just get in and play but you can get in and create an entire role play life for yourself and your characters and a background and a story for everyone and, and get really involved with what you're creating in this game to play the game with. Uh, what's on the horizon for the Star Trek online community? What future events can player look forward to you know during the great content drought of early 2014? Have we declared a drought yet? <laughs> oh we just did just right there. Didn't you hear me? March is so far away there yes, is a content can't... drought unbelievable. Yes. And you can Why tell not? by their silence 
sense that there is no content, so it's a drought. <laughs> no, yeah, see? Oh, so yeah. incriminating. Oh, we nailed him, guys. Well done. Well, That's Trevor's right. still continuing with his Foundry spotlights and in-game events. So, do you have any plans for Friday, February 14th? Yeah, we're going to be doing a live stream. I guess it's going to be my first official one. And it's Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. So, it's a live stream of love. So bring your buddies, bring your, bring your special someones to the live stream. And make sure to get that special junior officer ready for your bridge girl. Now, how has the reception for season 8.5 been throughout the community? It's been pretty good. People have really loved a lot of the, the rewards from the new feature episode, A Step Between Stars. Everybody loves the EV suits. And I have noticed that a lot of people are, are definitely wearing them around with space dock. They love the, the snazzy, sleek design of them. You can see everybody running around in the three variant versions from the mission and the two low buy store variants that people have been spending their money on and, and really liking to show that off. You can see it in my player spotlight from this past week. I found a, a fellow on Earth space dock who not only had the low buy variant EV suit, but he was also touting the TR-116 rifle. And my picture ended up making a lot of people very, very jealous. So mission <laughs> accomplished on that. <laughs> and uh, we've given a, a lot of great feedback on ship swapping and quick equip. Um, I think that's been really cool. Um, and we've got loadouts. Um, we've got the final bugs being worked out of it. Uh, so hopefully that's live on Thursday um, when you're listening to this. Uh, that's the goal. We've uh, updated a few things on Tribble, and we've got a few more things coming. And we've had great feedback about Tim Russ's voiceover work in the yeah. future episode. People have loved that, and they're really chomping at the bit to get that next installment, which should be coming soon. Yep. After, oh, and Shuttle PvP. That's that's been awesome. So much fun in there. After the great content drought's over. Yeah, right? it's so yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's been so you know, so you know, it's been so long since the release of the last featured episode. We're already desperate, right. desperate. Well, my favorite quote from Al was on season seven launch day. He's like, "Hey everyone, happy uh, season seven launch day. Content drought resumes tomorrow." <laughs> Yep. What have you done for us lately? <laughs> so we're looking at possibly seeing the loadout feature coming out on the 13th? Yeah, that's that's the current goal. We had hoped to get it out this week, but we want to make sure it's uh, perfect before we put it out. Um, as you guys talked about in your Priority One interview with D'Angelo, make sure there's no issues with power trays. But even without that right now, oh my gosh, I've had so much fun with Quick Swap because like I have so many ships and I don't have time to fly them all, but like the other day I had remembered that I had got the Steam Starter Pack and I had never flown the Tier 5 ship. So all I did is I got in it, I used Quick Equip really fast to put on some gear and I just went into a queue and didn't really mess with my power trays, just put the bridge officers on and obviously that will help once, uh, now that I have it set, anytime I switch it back, uh, they'll be there. But just going through Starbase 24, just a quick random queue and man, it was just so cool to fly other ships that I just had not been flying in so long. So hopefully this gets players into their old favorite ships and uh, breathes new life into their uh, uh, space dock, their personal space dock where their ships are just sitting there. And clear out those tier one Mirandas and put something nice in there to swap yourself out to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh no, you need a, a challenge every once in a while. You got to jump in that tier one Miranda, you know. Tier one just, Miranda just, STFs, those are fun. Yeah, just, just to show off you can do it. Yeah. So Trevor, are you going to Vegas this year? I hope so. He will be. We'll yes, be there. awesome. <laughs> Good. It's going to be another big year this year. They've already announced the orchestra playing a lot of uh, Star Trek music, which I was really looking forward to. James Lee, our, our host here on Priority One, has was at the Las Vegas convention when they last had that and spoke wonders of it. Really looking forward to this year. We're definitely planning on um, working with StarTrek.com again for panels. Uh, subject to change, but that's still the current plan. Uh, to do panels, um, hopefully do another panel with uh, some of the celebrities that have joined us in-game up on stage, depending on availability for them. It's going to be uh, really good. I can't wait. And it's earlier this year. 
Yes. Yeah, it's uh, oh, yes. at the end of July. I have I have my wedding, then I have a weekend, and then I have Vegas. <laughs> hey, you're busy. Busy I'm month. Very busy. And then my sister gives birth. <laughs> I have to know, for your wedding plans, are you planning to try to outdo Gecko with his uh, vow renewal? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. However, uh, I think as, as long as she's not busy, you know, because I hope she's busy because actors having work is great. But if she's not busy, Denise should be there. So it should be really nice. Sure. Wait, at your wedding or at Vegas? At my wedding. What? Wow. Yeah. We were actually, it was so funny. We were just, we were talking about it in Vegas. And she's like, oh, you know, can I come? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can come. She's very down to earth. Really, really great person. Um, some of you got up close and talking with her, you know, during owls renewal she's just totally chill really really cool yeah yeah we'll see i but i hope that she's busy and has work because i mean that's what we want for our, our friends right well this is the the moment of the interview where we open the mic up uh to either one of you and and if you, there's anything you'd like to say or communicate to the community now's your chance you mean like special reveals and stuff well i can officially confirm that a brand flakes faction is coming into the game <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent. <laughs> I, 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 for one, welcome our fiber-filled overlords. No, I mean, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, season 9 is well in the works right now. We're doing playtests of some of the stuff already, and we hope to get it out to Tribble in the next couple months. We want to try and get as much out as early as possible for testing, of course. We've got the Dilithium Mine event running this weekend. We hope you all enjoyed it. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> we have the Marks event coming up. So the 20th, I think, is what it is. Um, and that's for all Marks. That'd be really cool. Working on revamping from scratch, as Gecko talked about, the Mirror Universe event. That's looking really cool. Uh, we've got the Dyson ships coming out this month, the uh, variants, the bundles. We have a question about that. Uh, sure. Are you at liberty to discuss the prices for the Sea Store variants? Uh, they should be normal bundle okay. uh, prices. However, and again, completely subject to change, uh, we're looking at possibly an option where you can get all of them for an even better discount. So it's potential. It's just, it's a tech issue. We have to see if we can work it out. Um, and if we can't, then they'll be at the bundles, which is still a discount from buying each ship separately. Uh, but the overall goal is to have ah. a giant bundle, a bundle so, of bundles. So we're working on tech for that. Um, again, can't hold me to it, but that's the goal. Tons of blogs planned, tons of news posts planned. Uh, it will not be a quiet month for STO. It'll be quieter for, as a month overall than the last week in January because we had like 20 blogs. Trevor and I worked gosh, like over 100 hours in nine days or something, each of us. It was crazy. We were tweeting awfully late at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was working like 7 a.m. to midnight most days, like nine days before the end of the month uh, for nine days straight pretty much. So it was good though. It was totally worth it to see everyone's reactions and Trevor did awesome he take he took a lot of the screenshots um, helped with a lot of the blogs so we both worked as a team to get those up and I think the community had news overload but I think we got all the information mm -hmm. out time and accurate and uh yeah and we wanted to give you guys a bit of a content inundation before the drought. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Flood us for a little bit first. <laughs> oh, remember that last week of January? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the good old days back in two weeks ago. Oh, so They long. got Star Trek out in California. <laughs> out California way. <laughs> That's Skiffy's joke. <laughs> I'm curious, I don't know if you're at liberty to say, but uh, the Alachi Alert PVE event, is that by any chance coming back in the future? I definitely passed a lot of feedback about it that players really enjoyed it. It was always meant to be kind of like that lead into Sphere of Influence and be around because that's everything that's happening. However, players really enjoyed it. 
it, it could return as a special event. Um, it could return to the queue. We're, it's still up for discussion. It's not out of so the question. It was never intended to be a permanent thing then. Right. It was It was always to be a special kind of event. I, I think I could have communicated that a little bit clearer. You know, usually for big new things, we put out a blog and tons of stuff, but this was just supposed to be kind of like an aside, but I admit I probably could have done a little bit better in setting expectations there, so I apologize. Well, gentlemen, we want to thank you for taking some time out to stop by and talk to us on Priority One Podcast. We hope to have you on again uh, not too long in the future. Yeah, we'd love to come back. Yeah, thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody out there. The warm welcome I've received in the forums has been much appreciated. And my Twitter is exploding daily with congratulations. And I really appreciate it. You guys have been great. Welcome aboard. Good to have you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. So our first piece of feedback is actually a voicemail from Rob Ray, Fleet Admiral for the Priority One Podcast Fleet. Hey, Elijah, Tony, James, Elliot, and Skiffy. This is Fleet Admiral Rob Ray from the Priority One Fleet. Wanted to say hello and awesome job on the interviews, guys. Really love Steve, uh, Stephen D's uh, interviews and his take on Star Wars Galaxies. Yes, someone else who loves SWG. I got four words, okay? Four words about SWG. Ready? Wait for it. Bring back the slicer. Slicing would be perfect for STO. Please, please do it. Uh, also wanted to talk about social zones and Earth space dock in general. Uh, I think one of the problems we have with social zones and STO is that there's no danger around these zones. Traditionally in MMOs, especially high-level content, you'll see some characters or some guy people take their characters, they'll set two feet outside of a social zone, and boom, they'll aggro about 50 mobs, start cutting them through the city, and yelling, help, help, help! Yeah, we could never see that in STO, uh, at least not the way it's made now. You know, uh, the star bases are all an instance within an instance within an instance. Maybe if they redid sector space to have some way to aggro uh, mobs and sector space, it would work. I would love that, especially in star bases, which are on like the Klingon front, or in uh, maybe if they added one uh, to the Omega Zone, would be really awesome. Anyway, something to think about. Hope you guys are having a great week. Love the show as always. This is Fleet Admiral Rob Ray, and I am out. What is slicing in, in uh, Star Wars Galaxy? I am unfamiliar with it. Uh, Sun Seal in the Trek Radio chat says that it's it's a, a type of hacking. Um, so I'm not uh, I'm not too familiar with it. That's something that uh, I'll have to do a little bit of research that on. Slicing is hacking. It's just it's like how in Firefly instead of saying cool you say shiny. Okay. Um, I didn't watch Firefly, but anyway, what? <laughs> we can't Whoa! Be he can't it's on Netflix, out. and I have okay. tried watching it, but I keep falling asleep during the first episode. Why are we? Why are? Why do I associate with you? Holy cow! So um, back to the voicemail. Um, a bit, thank you, Rob Ray, for submitting a voicemail message to us. Captains, we encourage you to do so. Just visit PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how. It's our speak pipe widget. Um, so we've got the idea about slicing all right, or hacking. Um, I didn't. I never played Star Wars Galaxy, so I wish I can comment on it. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of research. Uh, maybe we can talk a, a bit about it more next week. Um, but he also talks about um, aggroing outside of a social zone so that people can try to get involved and, and participate. Uh, I can see that working, right? I can see somebody screaming out in zone chat, help, there's a Borg invasion. You got to come and, and save somebody, you know? Or maybe the war- maybe the Borg are back on Wolf 359 for whatever reason, and, and, and we have to go back there and fight, which is right outside of, of Earth Space Dock. Um, 
that's an interesting idea, right? Some kind of some kind of event that triggers a reaction. Well, yeah, any anything that's a shared experience. So if your shared experience is either a, a PC or an NPC saying, "Come do this thing. There's a huge emergency right now." Uh, that's that's great. I think that's what the Borg red alerts were supposed to be about, but the, the execution just wasn't there. All right, we've got our next uh, piece of uh, voicemail feedback hailing from uh, Ukami87, so let's go ahead and play that. Hello, Priority One Podcast. This is Ukami87 from the Star Trek Online forums. I'd like to say that the new Herogen weapons are not an win button. If you recall, bionuclear warheads can also be shot at a distance greater than 10 kilometers. Ooh, he brings up a good point. Uh, Bionor warheads can be shot at a farther distance. No, it's not a good point. Because you can shoot those down. Okay, well. But you, it was still outside of the 10 kilometer. And so are shuttles. There's, there's shuttles are outside the 10 kilometer range. And you can shoot those down. It's not a direct fire weapon. And I, like I said, I've already taken it back. I mean, because I've actually playtested it and I can. My Odyssey is good, but it's nothing special. Well, Okami, thank you again for leaving us a voicemail message. Captains, again, visit PriorityOnePodcast.com and find out how you can leave a message with our SpeakPipe widget. And our last piece of feedback comes from uh, Bertha Longjohn, who seems to have been having issues uh, with the SpeakPipe, as well as with our sponsor, Sayulita.com uh, and PlayaEscondida.com. So uh, let's, uh, let's get to that, shall we? Hi, y'all. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I was trying to look up that Player Escondidas website y'all are always talking about, and I can't find it. All I'm getting is a bunch of tsunami pictures. Could y'all please spell that out next time? Or say it more slowly? Put up one of those websites that's blue with the underline on it that just takes you right to it. Y'all, I bought some new flip-flops, and I need a vacation. Thanks, y'all! Uh, well, thank you, Bertha, for bringing that to our attention. This is good. You know, we need that kind of uh, not only game content feedback, but also how we present the, our show and our website to be. It's good to get feedback. It, it, 100%. We need that. So it, it is Playa hyphen escondida, right? It's Playa Escondida, which is hidden beach in Spanish, uh, for those of you that may not be able to translate it on your own. Wait, that's those are real words? Those are, in fact, real words. Uh, it is an actual uh, beach resort excursion uh, in Sayulita, Mexico. Friend of the show, and uh, it's beautiful. I, you know, actually, I, I wouldn't mind. Emily and I still need to take a honeymoon, so um, I think. Yeah, you should do a show from there. That would be nice, on the beach. So if you're interested in finding out more, uh, you can Google Playa Escondida or translate for Hidden Beach. And uh, it's playa-escondida.com. So uh, we, we thank our sponsor and uh, make your vacation plans. Again, thank you to everybody who has left us a voicemail message. We encourage you, captains, uh, to reach out to us that way. We'd like to hear your voice, and we definitely love the dialogue. So be sure to visit our SpeakPipe widget found on PriorityOnePodcast.com. And uh, there's our phone number there in case, for whatever reason, the plugin's not working for you. In the meantime, let's get ready for some text feedback via forums and our Priority One Podcast website. Another huge batch of feedback uh, on the forums and on our website. Again, thank you to everybody. Lots of good quality stuff out there. We obviously can't get to it all again. There was a little bit of confusion, too. Some uh, some, some posting um, issues uh, we can't be on all the time, guys. Sorry. But uh, so last week's community questions got stuck. 
Um, so, But we did get a ton of feedback on D'Angelo's interview, and we're just going to hit some of the highlights on it. We hear from Rudin who says, I did not find it a grind since just before Christmas I got free Lobi that I have used to get the ship on three characters, and I still have 144 Lobi left. That fits in with the anecdotal evidence that we've been hearing that people are going to just sort of empty out their Lobi hordes uh, to get the ship without having to do the grind and then skip Q's party crasher game uh, and just not just not get the ship on all their characters. Our next piece of feedback comes from Admiral John Park. Interesting how Zone Interesting how zone like the Borg Invasion zone bugs were not addressed with our new XO. Well, John Park, uh, you know, if we could spend hours upon hours with our invited guests from Cryptic Studios, I assure you we would probably address just about everything that is holding our players back from thoroughly enjoying the game much more than they already are. Uh, But it's just more reason to get the guests back on the show so we can continue to have these conversations with them. I bet it's already in his notebook. We usually talk for a little bit after an interview, and we went for thirty minutes with him. And the the guy is the guy is inside and out in this game. He probably knows where all the problems are exactly. He can probably tell you exactly what needs to either be fixed or be gone. Um, but he's not gonna share that with us because he still needs to get the feedback from his team, from the people that actually could either. Uh, create the fixes that need to happen uh, or make the decision to pull the plug with him. So, uh, you know, a lot of this, he's got a three-year, you know, he's building his three-year plan right now. So I imagine Borg Invasions are on the list already, but he's just not ready to talk about them yet. Well, the other the other thing is I'm sure he doesn't want to make the same mistakes that uh, Daniel Stahl has in the past where you know they'll throw out throw out ideas. They have good communication with the players, but every, you know players take them at everything they say as a promise, and he doesn't want to get caught up in in that kind of confusion. So they like to keep a tight lip until they know it's confirmed and know it's on the way. I really don't want um, you know when it comes to reallocating resources. I really wish they would invest more into the gateway. That was a discussion that we were having. Uh, with on Twitter, you know, on Twitter, we were back and forth, Twitter and Facebook, uh, people really upset at the idea that the gateway may go away. I stated this before, but I really think that they're going to try to avoid that because there's been so much their resources put into it already. You know, cutting that loose is a show. I mean, that means there is literally no return on their investment because they they lobbed it off. Yeah, but what have they put to it? They what have they in what? Okay, I understand that. It took a while to revamp the whole captain's profile thing, right? Because it, it what, what we have now is way better than what we had before, hands down, right? But way back when, when the first game first came out and they had the captain's page, I forgot what even the name of it was. Um, it was just like a picture of your captain and then a bio. You know, now here, like D'Angelo described in, in the interview, it is an instance of you in the game, which is pulling that information, which is amazing, a phenomenal technology. However, it, it's still buggy, and there's not enough functionality, right? We need to be able to do things in the game or complement the game. Several episodes ago, we were talking about uh, an article that was on uh, Gama Sutra, where, uh, where it discussed how games are implementing a mobile platform to interact with it, right? To be a part of it, to enhance the gameplay, and to not do that, I think, is a massive disservice. I think that they really should invest 
some manpower and some time into developing the gateway and introducing features that if I'm playing on the desktop or on my laptop, whatever the case may be, I can have my phone next to my keyboard or my tablet next to my keyboard keyboard, and it's a map overlay of, of what I'm playing. Or it's a small pad or it's my inventory and I can double click it and slot whatever's happening. It's it's this type of development I think would would really, really enhance the, the experience and the immersion that is Star Trek. Because what do you see? What, what, what I forget, It may have been you, Skiffy, that, that, that had mentioned this. When you watch an episode of Star Trek Online, or it might have been actually in a discussion on, on Twitter, when you watch Star Trek, they have pads with them. Everywhere they go, they go on a away mission, they have a pad. They, they have something in their hand. It really needs to happen in Star Trek Online. And I hope that, that Steven D'Angelo will have heard the the awes from the community and will invest that time into developing it because you know hey they may have developed it but i think it's been underdeveloped and that's why they're not seeing the return on investment i I don't remember exactly how d'angelo worded it there's a key phrase he said in there when we kind of pushed him about it along the lines of if we, we can find a way to account for it or if he can find a way to bundle it or if he can find a way to sell it and i don't mean sell it necessarily to the end users but sell it to perfect world as you know accounting money if they bundle it in with a, another cool feature that would boost it, you know, they might be able to do that. And he used a word, and I can't remember what it was, that, that really summed it up. But I, I really, really get the feeling that they don't want to cut it loose yet, but they they are looking at their metrics long and hard and trying to see if they're going to get that return on investment. The same thing happened with the Klingon faction. I mean, th- this could have easily been the exact same fate of the Klingon faction, and it, it kind of becomes a situation of if you build it, will they come? Oh, they'll come. They'll come. There's no there's no doubt in my mind. The gateway, although convenient, is still not functional. You know, sure, I can add some stuff to my fleet bank and, and trigger a project or contribute to a project. It, it still does not complement the game, right? Why would I look at my tablet to contribute to the fleet star base when I'm in the game as it is? Perhaps the gateway needs to go. Perhaps it just needs to die. That's fine. But a new project has to be developed that will bring Star Trek Online to the mobile app. And I think you and I and the players definitely understand the value and the necessity for Gateway to exist and to have uh, you know, doffing available on a mobile app. But when you know they don't have to sell that idea to us, Stephen D'Angelo has to sell this to a, a board of executives, to Perfect World that are looking at the numbers. And it, they really are a business. They have to make money. Well, is the Neverwinter app? I thought the Neverwinter app was 100% success. Well, huge differences here. Again, they probably designed the Neverwinter interfaces from the ground up to be mobile because they had the license and the permission from Wizards of the Coast to do that from day one. Well, plus they'd use Stowe as a testbed, so they knew what to expect. There you go. Again, same story with the Foundry. They, They sort of like, here's the hurdles that you face with that. You know, don't make the same mistakes we did. Of course, they weren't mistakes because they had no idea at the time that they were putting, you know, Star Trek Online together that this this would be an eventuality. Uh, the the tablet. Were, I mean, when did the iPad come out? Was it 2010? I mean, this game was this game was out in 2010. So, you know, the the, the idea of a tablet or a mobile phone app just wasn't even on anybody's radar. Um, so I think Neverwinter is in a different spot just from where it came from. The origins of Neverwinter dictated that path. Um, Star Trek Online, unfortunately, just didn't have those advantages. 
And Decker73 says, Great episode, guys. I loved all the interviews you've been having over the past couple weeks. Great job requesting the claim console button, or as I call it, the skiffy maneuver. From Steven D'Angelo's reaction, it sounds like we have a good chance of actually getting it. I hope they expand it to include items like the wide-angle quantum torpedo launcher on the Regent class. Yeah, I get that on just about every ship I can get. So, skiffy maneuver. Let's have it. Our next piece of feedback comes from Elvinar. Well, I don't really mind the grind for the ship. If only it wasn't so boring. I mean, having to watch the darn cues running through the, those presents is just a strain on my eyes. No fun whatsoever. And the runaway cues run away too fast. So, if you're a slow starter, you're fracked. Once their escape counter goes to two-thirds, they escape automatically. So you're stumped and frustrated again. So, all in all, if they made it a good, fun grind, people wouldn't be so disappointed. But this way, it's meh. I have to agree. I mean, a little bit of the, that, you know, that... It's kind of a visual bug, too. I have noticed that two-thirds bar thing. That's kind of a visual bug. I can't wait for a year from now when D'Angelo's had some time under his belt. We talked about how the variations in missions and the variations in playing the same content over and over again might uh, become a reality everywhere in the game. Imagine what this may be next year. It might still be a grind, but maybe it'll actually be interesting because each of the 15 times you have to run it will be completely different. Push comes to shove, MMOs are a grind, right? You have to do things repeatedly to get things done, right? So grind is a grind is a grind. It's replayable versus repeatable. And don't drunk I'm shoot. That overreaction to the low-B Tetrion single cannon is hilarious. <laughs> yes. I'm Tony. Ha-ha-ha. I'm Tony. And this is going to break the game. <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 yes. Very, very much. I that's I, I, I was wrong. I'll just that, that's all there is to it. I was wrong. Purple gamer writes. Does anyone else feel uncomfortable being referred to as a customer? I'd much rather be called a gamer or a player. The former feels way too detached and business-oriented in, in an industry that is really turning on the business side of operations, i.e. indies. Yeah, I, this is another thing, too. I mean, we're customers in the, uh, to the extent that we are volunteering our money. You don't have to pay any money, but they sure would like you to. And they're going to set up the incentives in the game so that at a certain point, you'd rather just chip in five bucks than have to do that one thing one more time. Somebody else on the forums had mentioned that, no, you you want to be considered a customer, right? Because as a customer, a customer invests in a company, right? They pay for something. They either invest their time or their money into something, and you you become a customer. If you're a gamer or just a player, then... That actually pulls away because now you're just seen as uh, somebody taking advantage of the free-to-play, right? You want, you want to be a customer. You want to be someone who is considered an asset, a, a, a bloodline of the success of your, of your uh, game. Yeah, every single free-to-play player is a potential customer, and they want you to want to give them money. The idea is that if they make it painful to you, you will not only not want to give them any money, you will go away and play some other game where hopefully they, you know, will want, you know, make you want to give them money. Um, I think, just survey the field and everybody's opinions will be different. Cryptic, as a company, I think, does a fairly good job of making it relatively painless to pay them. And we hear from Realisticality. I heard the podcast, just wanted to add that I absolutely disagree about slowing down rep grinding. Came here last September, really enjoyed Dice and Ground events, and I found the rep grinding just right, even with the Weekend Warrior event. 
I am now working on Omega rep. Deferi ground missions are very stingy with the rep, and it's taking me forever to grab any sizable rep. I feel like it's water torture. Drop by drop. Technesia writes in, It seems like every time I'm coming back to the game, Cryptic comes about and reinforces my initial decision to leave. I think it's going about things the wrong way. Maybe give subscribers an easier access to rep grinding? You remember, I remember some interviews with uh, with Dan when he said, we want the rep system to be more like a frequent flyer program or a rewards program. Hey, you've logged in. Here's a little something to say thank you for playing our new content, for checking out our new work. So here's a little something for the effort. You know, if people are chipping in 15 bucks a month no matter what, maybe that's not such a bad idea. Uh, here's, an, here's an extra little thank you. You get a 20% bonus or whatever. Um, make that gold subscriber worth something. Um, Broadneck says, Our small fleet recently decided to stop putting so much effort into our starbase. We found we were just logging in to grind resources and not experiencing immersive content. It got boring. Now I've got a couple characters I'm trying to level via the foundry almost exclusively. Slow progression, but infinitely more fun than grinding. Yeah, but why wouldn't you put so much effort into the starbase? All right, you see, now that's important. That's important, and I hope that Cryptic is listening, because here is Broadnack saying, I have a small fleet and decided to stop putting so much effort into the starbase. That means that that person has conscientiously decided that they will not invest time in content in the game, right? So that's a cheek in a seat that just walked out, right? That got out of that seat. Ah, but look where he went. Right, he went to the foundry. But I'm curious to know how long that's going to last. And that has to do a lot with the fact that Broadnax is clearly a dedicated player because he wants to now try to find immersive content somewhere else, right? So he's going to the foundry. He's not one that's going to easily give up on this game. Now, what about the casual player? What about the casual MMO player that is testing out a new free-to-play game? And, yeah, sure, has been playing for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden, he starts realizing, gosh, you know, it's only ten of us in this fleet, and it's taking forever. And, and here I am seeing all these other people with all these maxed-out ships and, and these consoles that I, I can't get my hands on. You know what? Forget this. I'm leaving, or I'm not going to invest the time on the Starbase. I think that Broadnax is voicing the concern or voicing an opinion of the casual MMO player that we don't hear about, that we don't interact with, that don't chat on the forums with us that don't that may not even listen to the show this is the thing that i think is is key here he's avoiding the systems that have brought cryptic the most money raw cash right but this guy will be here longer than any of those mmo hopping i've maxed out my starbase and i'm going to go play a rift for a while people because he's here because he likes star trek and he likes star trek that he can find in the foundry. When he's done with the official cryptic storyline missions, he's looking for more Star Trek, and he's finding it in the foundry. Uh, hey, guys, just a quick reminder. We moderate the comments on our site, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and while we love criticism, like the feedback on our community question music from last week's show, uh, we aren't going to tolerate threatening or abusive language. So bring your argument, bring your snark, bring your analysis, bring your oh-so-witty insults, but leave the tantrums outside. This is why we can't have nice things. All right, Captains, every week we are gaining new followers and new likes on Facebook and Twitter. And we love the conversations that we've been having with you on both of those social media platforms. So please continue to keep an eye on Priority One Podcast on Twitter at at STO Priority One or on Facebook on Facebook.com forward slash Priority One 
podcast. And of course, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know what you think of the show or submit your response to this week's community question in the comments section for this episode on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Or now, you can feel free to use our new SpeakPipe widget on PriorityOnePodcast.com. If for whatever reason that doesn't work, you can hit us up by phone at 609-619-0834 or if that doesn't work either, pre-record your MP3 file and send it to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 160 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on TrekRadio.net. Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio starting around 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that would be 9.30 p.m. where real people live in the Central Standard Time Zone. You can subscribe by pointing your podcast catcher at feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. We release Monday morning. As you know, we love hearing from you, Captains, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, an idea, or a topic for any of our segments, or you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also send us a voicemail message through our SpeakPipe widget, a telephone call, or record your own short message and send it to us via mp3 to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priorityonepodcast and give us a like or check us out on Twitter via STO Priority One. Priority One Podcast is brought to you by the generous donations of aficionados like you. Please visit priorityonepodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a very special thanks to all the aficionados who have contributed and continue to do so. And don't forget to check out Priority One Podcast's sister production, Guard Frequency. We're at GuardFrequency.com, and we'll bring you up-to-the-minute updates on everything Star Citizen. A very special thanks to the newly appointed community team leader, Brandon, Brand Flakes Felcher, and the newly appointed Star Trek Online community manager, Trevor, Captain Smirk McNesby, for joining us this episode. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including the man with the magic Mac, our audio engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and of course, Trek Radio. Special thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com and PlayaEscondida.com. Most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, and of course, our listeners. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. And don't forget to check out Priority One Productions' sister podcast, Guard Frequency. We're at guardfrequency.com and bringing you all the up to the minute. Bye, 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 the Guard Frequency 
your feet so played in the background, but you could buy my love, 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 love. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have that as a ringtone? I want that as a ringtone. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's hot. And then, and then every once in a while, just loop aficionado underneath that. That's going to be, um, oh, oh, that's hot. We got we to gotta hit it in our hands right there. <laughs> okay. Aficionados like you. Aficionados like you.